Welcome to episode 20 of Keeping It a Hundo. I'm your host, Matty Hundo. They said we couldn't do it, but here we are 20 episodes later, still putting out quality podcasts every week. I appreciate everybody's support. If you know anybody that listens to podcasts, send them my podcast. Tell them to give it a try. Now on to this week's guest. This is another story about an immigrant child that came over to the U.S., Andrew Jong was adopted from an orphanage in South Korea by a family in Iowa. He grew up in a rural area of Iowa on a farm with a house full of adopted kids. This isn't exactly the recipe for a fashion designer or a trendsetter. And despite his lack of interest in sports, he created a clothing line called Adrian Black that fits and styles many of the top names in the NBA and the NFL. He's a tailor, a stylist, an entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. Last year, he donated half a million dollars worth of coats to kids at public schools in the Bronx. He donates suits for kids going on job interviews and college interviews. It's safe to say Andrew's passion for helping the less fortunate can be traced back to his tenuous roots and his tough upbringing as a child. I met Andrew through my good friend E.J. Manuel, who was a guest uh, a couple months ago, quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. E.J. gets some clothes from Andrew, as many athletes do. It's a long list, but uh, just to name a few, Cam Newton and Eric Berry of the NFL, Joel Embiid, Donovan Mitchell, Gordon Haywood, Jason Tatum, Scary Terry Rozier, Boogie Cousins, Devin Booker, even Mookie Betts of the Red Sox. He's got a lot of Celtics, a lot of Red Sox, pretty much anybody he wants. I found it interesting when I asked EJ if he had anybody in mind for me to interview. He's given me a few names of people I've been in touch with, some athletes, some not athletes, but Andrew was one of the first names he mentioned. So that spoke volumes to me. Fake it till you make it. That's what they say, right? Well, I did my best to try to make it sound like I knew what I was talking about on the podcast today with Andrew. My fashion background isn't too extensive. And as you'll see, Andrew kind of had to do the same to get where he's at because he didn't have much of a background with it either. He's known for his signature pocket watch he wears with his impeccable suits. He stays suited up every day, no matter what. He doesn't dress down for really any occasion. First time I met him is when I sat down to do this interview with him at his showroom in the Garment District, Hell's Kitchen, New York. I really enjoyed getting to know him and hearing his story. He's an easy guy to root for. Here's my conversation with my new friend, Andrew Jones. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No barking from the dog, no small. Are you based out of Chicago? I'm technically here. Okay. Um, my business manager's there. We got my start there. Um, everyone kind of knows us from Chicago, but 
now we built a name here in New York. So and that's kind of where you want to be. Uh, kind of yeah. need to be, you know? Well, we did. Now that we have a name. Um, now you can be anywhere. Yeah. So we're thinking about moving back to Chicago. Have you ever done a podcast before? Nope. No? Uh, and there's a guy by the name of Gary V. Virchak? Sounds familiar. Super well-fellow dude. Um, I just met him. Super influential. He wants wants to get me my own podcast started through like ESPN, those guys. Oh, nice. And ESPN just called, so... Yeah. This will be a good start. Though. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess I'll be on CBS with my own show or something like that. So my friend uh, has a podcast on CBS Sports. Oh, really? And I, I appeared as a guest That's because awesome. I had him on mine. Yeah. We made a bet about the playoffs with yeah. the Celtics, and he ended up having to put me on. So, That's funny. <laughs> yeah, they're based out of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so let's start with the NBA Awards the other night. So when I called, the first time we spoke, you mm-hmm. were suiting up uh, Joel Embiid. Yep, and Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell. Yep. You you did Donovan for the draft as well? Uh, yeah. Did yep. you do any of the draft guys? Uh, Jerome Robinson, Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Bruce Brown. So I have, right there, I got two stories for you. Uh-huh. Jalen Brunson's dad mm-hmm. was a legend where I'm from. Oh, really? And his dad was my first AAU basketball coach. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> He awesome. was the, Rick Brunson. Yeah. Jalen's dad yeah. was the Small man world. where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> and I I actually wore champion basketball sneakers mm-hmm. because Rick used to wear champion basketball sneakers. Nobody wore champion sneakers. No. They were terrible. I I wore them for like a season. Yeah. And I never wore them again. <laughs> and then Bruce Brown. Yeah. He went to the same high school as my dad. Oh no kidding. Yeah. He's from Boston. They're both from Boston. Oh I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 All really great kids. Uh, met them through CAA. Um, Oh, so you get a lot of guys through CAA? A ton. I get, so CAA, ISC, they're pretty good to me. CAA is the, the top one. I'm here in New York City today with Andrew Jong. Sir? Spelled J-A-N-G. Yes, you sir. might <laughs> want to pronounce it Jang, but it's Jong. It's still okay if you do that. <laughs> We're in the Garment District, close to Hell's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite movies growing up was from a movie that took place in Hell's Kitchen. Have you ever heard of Sleepers? Yeah. I love Sleepers. Yeah, yeah. I think that movie was great. But Hell's Kitchen, like, it's tough. They don't like to show it on maps for some reason because it sells, like, hell in it or something. I, I can it, never see it on a map. Yeah, that's actually true. But you all know where it's at. Like, yeah. when I first uh, started working here, I've always heard about it. And you, I remember older movies, right, about it. But then I always kind of had the same thing as, like, Skid Row in L.A., really broken right, right right i thought there was like a huge drug scene first time i walked through i'm like damn there's a lot of restaurants right <laughs> i mean it's nothing like i thought yeah same here i didn't see the old hell <laughs> no. so at the nba awards the other night joel looked pretty good Thanks, I, I thought he looked good um, i think it was his first time ever in a tie like the guy does not like to wear ties wow yeah did you get a chance to see, or do you know who dressed Mo Bamba? Do you know who Mo Bamba is? Yeah, I, I do. I can't remember who dressed him, though. He has the longest wingspan yeah. in NBA uh, combine history. Yep. So does something like that pose a, a challenge, or is it just, it doesn't really matter? As Not long as really. Can... I remember my tallest, most different body shape was Boban. He used to play for the Pistons. I actually know him yeah. through a friend that plays with him. Oh, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Nicest guy. Oh, yeah. The nicest uh, guy. He, he texts, though, like a teenager because everything's uh, emojis and fist bumps. It's, it's the funniest Yeah, because he probably doesn't speak right oh, English. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, for some reason, uh, when I started measuring my first athlete clients, and everyone told me this, like, you're going to struggle with it because they, they're really tall and lean or big and wide. I never had a problem with any variation of length. And I meet guys like Joel actually has a smaller torso compared to his legs. Uh, you wouldn't tell that by the suits we make him, but I've just learned how to kind of adapt yeah, yeah. the clothes. 
Um, we got other guys where they're like torsos, literally their knees. You know, when you're designing out the suit, and then there's a couple of factors in the design, and then the measurements are literally everything. Most people, I think, have an old standard view of, of measuring. I was very fortunate. I learned from this old Italian master tailor in San Diego. Aren't they all, the old ones, oh, all man. Italian? Oh, yeah. That's the best way to learn. Well, yeah. I was very fortunate. I learned two ways to kind of go into custom clothing. First was the old Italian guy. I mean, he spoke like 10 words of English, just loved to yell at me, but he, he was just like, just stick around. I'll teach you some things. And I was like, that's awesome. Thank you. And then I'd, I ran into these Chinese tailors just randomly like at a bar one night. And what I actually learned from them was the business side of it, like how to move a production through. Had those two things not happened, um, I probably wouldn't understand clothing the way I do and the way of just kind of sizing a guy up. Like, yeah, you meet a guy like Mobamba and you realize that his arms are really down to here, but he's still proportional if you kind of really think about it, mm -hmm. right? It's not like he's 6'2 with a wingspan right. like that. But no, it's, it's stuff like that. If you've measured enough people, it just really becomes second nature. So where does tailor meat designer Ooh, uh, well so it's funny for thing. you yeah um, you know like most people are either they're just a tailor and they're not a good designer or they're a really good designer and they have no idea about the closing aspect of it when that kind of comes together for me like but it's all my clients they want that perfect fit along with that perfect design that makes them look cool and like it literally is after I measure them we start talking about things and literally, when I, when I meet someone, I start measuring measuring them up mentally right away. And you know, a lot of the stuff happens after I've left. I'm like, I go on the airplane, we're texting each other, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, clothing wise, I got to do this. You know, I was like, you know, we can't do a double vent on this guy's backside's too awkward, so I build a single vent through there. And I'm like, and do you know, what? I really should have the tip of his lapel go over his shoulder so it brings away from his neck, right? But that all stuff kind of happens almost in sync. At least for me it does. Um, and I think it's probably what's made us really efficient is many of the guys that we've met is because I can just kind of go through there and kind of hammer out both of those aspects really quickly. Now the tailoring side to me is probably more important than than all of it. Because you could buy a cheap suit and tailor it and I it's mean, going to look like a good suit. How I got my start was, uh, you know, I bought a secondhand jacket and I wanted to go to a really fancy party, but it was, it was a black tie event. And I took what was technically a $3,000 jacket, but I got for 20 bucks. And I tailored it all to get my tour to part. I was using duct tape to keep it together, hand stitched it. But I walked in this party and everyone's like, dude, you're like the best dressed person here. And they're like, <laughs> I was like, I've never seen a $4,000 suit. And I was like, oh, me neither. <laughs> so, um, but the tailoring actually does to, to me define a lot more of the design. Um, at least, and that's why I feel like you can tell someone that's got kind of both of those in sync. You know, for me, it's very fortunate that I was able to get both of those kind of haphazardly, which is kind of cool. So how did you develop your business? Did you go to college and then study any of this stuff? No. Uh, so mine is the stupidest story, and I keep wanting to come up with a really good one. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I met Tom Ford, and he just saw I was a really cool dude and put me on his wing. I wish it was that. No, I originally started out going to school for, like, to be a dentist. I was raised foreman, you know, so I could work on your truck, uh, detasseled corn. Where did uh, you grow up? In Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, so I um, I was born in Korea. I was mm -hmm. orphaned, so I went through the orphanage life, adopted out, um, adopted family, had uh, eight kids. That were so adopted. an American family came over to Korea and adopted you? Yeah, and during that time, is during the 70s, and there's kind of the, this era in South Korea where kids were being whisked away like, like water. Um, we were very poor as a country. 
the U.S. government was giving tons of money to startup families to adopt these kids. In many ways, like it's a, it was a really good thing because it helped the family and it helped to actually take kids from really impoverished circumstances and put us in a much better situation. Uh, the family stuff was really tough. Like I was a very headstrong kid in Korean. And if you know anything about that culture. I do. I mean, like we don't, there isn't, they don't have like love the way they have here. Right. Right. So like when people hug you here and you're a kid. Very cold. Oh, yeah. You don't hug Korea. I mean, they might now, but yeah, when yeah. I was raised, lived in an orphanage. My father wasn't there when I was born. I didn't have any of these things that taught me that hugging and affection was okay. Yeah. Right. So I had a different mentality going through my life. Sorry, and to answer the question is, I knew I wanted to always look nicer. Uh, I think a good thing my adopted parents did was that they were very strict about when you leave the house, you be presentable. You know, I remember there are times they get my ass beat or go around like you can't believe because I had a wrinkle in my shirt. And I hated him for it, but um, it kind of translated when I went to college that um, I was the only kid, no matter how hungover I was or tired, I was in khakis and a button down. And you were one of those kids yeah, in school. Yeah, and it's and it's funny, it was, I remember like talking to all these other kids, and they thought I was like a super wealthy kid. I was like, I'm so poor. Where'd you, you go to school? Uh, Wayne State. Yeah, 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 in Detroit. Yeah, and so I was just like, I was like, no, they're like, you come for money. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I was like just because I wore khakis? To, to class? <laughs> well, that's, I went to University of Miami, oh, yeah. and the only people who dressed up for class were like the local commuter kids, mm-hmm. like the Cubans. Yeah. They got dressed every day for class, yeah. and they, they could have been from bad neighborhoods, yeah. good, didn't matter. Yeah. They were, that's how their culture is, that's and how they I, I wonder if it has something to do with the Catholic culture as well, because I was yeah. raised Catholic. Same here. Yeah. There's something about it, like I remember, I, I was an altar boy, and I remember going to catechism, and they're just- My dad was, yeah. I wasn't. Oh my god, my dog parents are like, they're like, oh, so they're, you're such a troublemaker, we need you to get more God. <laughs> but um, no, so I, I think what happened was just instinctively on its own, I was out there dressing. And, you know, I, uh, and I'd work really hard. I mean, there's a couple summers I was having three jobs, you know, but I was bringing home like 15, 20 grand a summer, which That's is a lot of then. money. Now, I spent half of that on beer, one tenth of that on rent, because rent was just like nothing. Yeah. Um, but then I'd like go to like Espresso. Because they had like three shirts for like twenty seven oh, yeah. bucks. I remember those. Remember those? <laughs> yeah, but I and I was probably the only V-necks, one. Button oh, downs, everything. everything. And I went through everything. And I went through that phase where I was dressing in like thinking I look good, and I go out there, and some girl would be like, "You kind of look like an idiot," but it didn't ever phase me. Why? Because you were overdressed. Or? Um, sometimes I was overdressed, right? And then like sometimes because I just really didn't know how to pair it together. Okay. And then also there is that part where you're still trying to define who you are, and your your insecurities aren't making up for the clothes you're wearing. Right. And um, and that's actually just having the experience is actually probably what's helped me a lot with my clients, because even though they're superstars, they still get insecurities like the rest of us. Sure. And all they want me to do is help them in a way that make their individuality come out. And like that's probably the best thing. And but I can look in line like, dude, I know what it's like. But no, I never went to school for anything. It was literally just trying to go to these parties and be fancy that I learned. And then my first clients. I met at a party, and he ended up hiring me and uh, referred me like 29 of his buddies. So when you say your first client, were you working in fashion or No, never worked nothing? in fashion, nothing. Like It was just kind of like you have a good eye for fashion, so this guy said... Uh, I was at this party. Because of the way you dress. Yes. and Well, so I got a call the next day, and this guy was like, uh, you met my wife last night, and 
I just kept thinking, oh shit, this is not good. No conversation has ever started well. You can well. curse, you can say anything. Oh, okay. I was, like, I was like, no conversation has ever started well with you met my wife last night, <laughs> right? And so I was like, I was kind of scared. Right. And he sounded gruff and, and old and mean. I was like, this guy's just going to beat my ass. <laughs> and I was like, what did I do last night? Um, he's like, he was like, uh, my wife said you're the best dressed person she's ever seen. And she's like, I love, he's like, I love my wife. He's like, will you, will you dress me? I, that was like actually the sweetest thing I've ever ever, yeah. ever heard. So I was but like, at that point, were people telling you on the regular? That oh, everybody. You, you would dress Every time I went out, they're like, okay. you know, I was always that guy, like when I walk into like a nice apartment store, they're like, you must work here or own it. I'm like, <laughs> no, I was like, I'm just trying to figure out if they'll give me that on sale. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. And there's no way at that time I would have ever thought in my life that I'd have my own clothing company, that people would want to write about me that I'd be working with athletes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if EJ told you this, but I don't even follow sports. I read it in an oh, article. Yeah. Have some of the teams, they'll come in, the players will come in with name tags. You know, they're Because you have no clue. Yeah, no clue. I mean, they're obviously talking shit, but in a good way, right? And it's funny. So I'm like, sure they like that, though. Oh, it's... Because they're so used to everybody fanning out around them and getting it's, all... It's what I hear, and I've and I, and I become... There's a quicker um, kind of pace to the relationship. Um, but I think a lot of it is these, are, these dudes are really good people. I, I remember when we f- I was first asked to work the NBA draft, and that was technically the big start. That, uh, last year's draft? Yeah, in 2016. Yeah. Um, oh, 16. So two, 16, two, two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. You know, funny story on that is uh, the agent, Travis King, had reached out, and I originally told him no. I was, I was like, I don't like sports. I don't like follow it. And I was like, all, I've, I've heard all athletes are assholes. That was yeah. like what everyone says, right? And unfortunately, like, my business manager and all of his buddies, these are like diehard sport fan nuts and I say jock sniffers oh dude it, it, it kind of drives me crazy and I hate sitting with them sometimes because I'm like you're talking like you know these guys yeah and I guarantee it's you it's a little know. annoying when you hear that stuff oh. I, I tend to I mean we all tend to do it just because oh. we watch so much yeah, of it but I but there's a deep love for it but I, I can't fault like my, my buddies because they, they sincerely love the game yeah. they love what these guys do and I, I in many parts just give respect to it because you know I've never had heroes or anything like that to really look up to but then it's funny is as I met these athletes, I'm like, damn, you guys are like really nice. In fact, you're you're really down to earth. And then it, it actually, I ended up just really appreciating them more after the fact because I realized, wow, you guys are not only super talented doing things that most of us wish we could do, and yet you're also they're mature on a way on a level that I don't think anyone gives them credit for. Yeah, they have to mature fast too oh. because imagine you or I because you were talking how in college you were getting drunk mm-hmm. all the time. That's how I was, and if I was given five million a year, 10 million, imagine what we would have been doing oh, yeah. at that age. These guys are 19, 20, yep. 21 coming into that kind yep. of money. Yep, uh, they they spend it well. Now, you, I also give a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of changes within the leagues, um, especially with the agencies. Like they're really trying to help their athletes. You know, again, like guys like Caleb Thornhill, reason why I really appreciate with these guys that they're really trying to help these athletes. Like don't go broke. You, know, you got five year span to make your career. I think that's like the average. Mm-hmm. You know, don't squander that Pension, away. all yeah. that stuff. And I know the contracts with these leagues aren't easy, right? Like, especially with the NFL. Oh, those aren't guaranteed. They're the worst. I, and I didn't know this. I was talking to Eric Berry. And one, I didn't realize how long Eric Berry had been in the league. Yep. And we were just kind of chit-chatting. And he was telling me about his contract. And I was just like, I looked at him like, are you kidding me? They can sign you for 10 years and then release you after yeah. one. Yeah, and not have to pay you. Yep. Um, None of it. And as you're saying, I mean, you and I would drop that money. In our, I, I know myself. I'd, I'd be like, oh... I go buy an I just island. Wouldn't know what to do with it. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I'd be, I'd be like, what you, what you used to see in the movies about athletes. 
buying all the friends stuff, the family. Well, that's how it was in say the early nineties, yeah. mid nineties, yeah. and then I don't know what happened, but like LeBron and this next generation, yep. they all learned how to deal with yep. the media, deal with yep. money. Like they I, all. I have a feeling it's good at this. Now. I, I, if you ever get to see the engagement between the player, the agencies, and the teams, I don't know. But like I remember first time I worked with like even like the Memphis Grizzlies, the sheer amount of support staff that they have for their players. I was like just taken back by. Yeah, they need it. Yes, and that's great. Hopefully, what the, the owners were in the league was saying is, we, we got to treat these guys better and help them be more educated, uh, because and I don't say this in a class way. I mean, they are an investment to exactly. To them, right? I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. you're investing all this money in yeah. them. Why wouldn't you invest all this effort? And yes, energy because it them? makes them play longer, play better. No brand needs to see their top players go bankrupt or broke or in jail because that affects the brand overall. Right. Business-wise, everyone seems to have just straightened up. And I'm seeing, like, I know that like the NBA has been kind of leading that. You start to see that with the NFL. Kind of selfishly on my I side. I feel like the NBA is cutting edge. Like, they're above everybody. They're ahead of That's it. That's why they're catching up to the NFL in popularity. Oh, yeah. They're ahead of it. And, you know, it's funny. Now, they're the ones, first ones that really came out with dress codes. And now... NFL is getting behind it. Uh, the Red Sox just finally got a dress code, and now other baseball teams have fallen in really? line. Yeah, I didn't know that about baseball. So I knew one thing that some maybe didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know hockey is starting to catch up with that. I mean, but we we don't in comparison to like European soccer clubs, which or you know, all soccer clubs internationally, where those guys, I mean, they are fashion all the time. You know, for also me, the highest paid guys. Oh, uh, I was so we were offered an exclusive opportunity with FC Barcelona. Uh, it was a bit three-year deal. Uh, we had to turn. Is it that down. who Messi is with? Yeah, Messi. I don't know too much about soccer. They were like naming off all these players, yeah, and I was just yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I was just uh, talking to so and so, and they're like, I'm sorry, who? It was the same thing when I met Gordon Hayward for the first time. Yeah. So that's the suit I remember. Oh, the, the, the one went yes. Yeah. <laughs> like out of all the like stuff I saw online, mm-hmm. that's the one I remember. Oh, he put him in that because I was. I noticed it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, he's got the green suit yeah. on when he yeah. comes to the Celtics' first press conference yeah. when they signed him. And what's funny is most people would not have known that he could do it. Like, he didn't even think he could pull it off. Yeah, he's a conservative guy. Uh, super conservative. Like, uh, it's just super most down-to-earth guy on earth. But, like, everything needs to be blues, you know, easy colors. When I dressed him for the All-Star game in New Orleans, um, I married a blue blazer and, like, a pink shirt, a lavender fuchsia shirt. And at first I was like... I love it. Oh, yeah, but they're like, I don't know. I was like, you've got to trust him. <laughs> and he just crushed it. You know, most guys can pull off color, and that's just a fact. And I, I've always kind of scoff a little bit at people. And isn't that one of your most – or the suit that kind of got you the most attention was the one with Scal? Oh, yeah, the, the Fuchsia one. Ah, uh, Scal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it was, uh, I can't remember the writer at ESPN, but she was just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And people noticed off, out of that. And what's funny is I, I remember the Boston Globe did an article on us last year, and I wasn't even at the NBA draft last year because I couldn't make it. Like, we were so backed up. So uh, that year I had 17 guys at the NFL draft. And that was my first NFL draft I've ever done. I thought it was going to kind of be like the NBA draft, which I'd done the year before with only one guy. It's a lot more people. Well, what I what thought was, okay, the NBA draft is over. You know, I worked with Scout a little bit after that, and there isn't a whole bunch of time management to do. 17 guys after NFL draft, it was there was so much more time management with like follow-ups with the guys, the families, the agents, and suddenly everyone wants you more. We got so much good press out of that that suddenly everyone was calling and we were trying, and I was dumb enough to say, or maybe not dumb, but I was like, sure, I'll fly out to you, we'll work with you, we'll, we'll get this figured out. And one thing I knew after another, like the NBA draft was literally on us, and I remember a couple agencies were like, we have like 10 guys, can you work with us? I'm like, I, I literally can't. 
But the Boston Globe had called and did a piece on us. Um, it was to like two other suit places. And I was laughing about that one. I was like, we're not even in the draft. And yeah, we have a nice piece on it. But, right. But it came back because of that original uh, outfit from Scal. Yeah. Um, so I, I put a lot of the good blessings and luck on, on how that turned out. And it's funny, it's that outfit. Uh, I measured him. Literally came back uh, the night before the draft. Fitted him in the clothes. And like everything fit perfect. He originally wanted a Kentucky blue outfit. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make you a Kentucky blue. I was like, but I'm going to make one that I like. Yeah. We'll put them both on and see what you think. He put on the Kentucky blue first, and his family's all in there, by the way, and uh, the agents. And he's like, oh, man, this looks really good. I'm like, cool. I was like, try this one on. And they're looking at this bright fuchsia thing. They're like, dude, it's white pants, fuchsia. Like, and they kept calling it pink. I was like, just put it on. Puts it on, and you just see this smile come across. <laughs> Everyone in that room just shut up. And they're like, oh, damn, no, this is the one. <laughs> and I ain't going to lie, I remember like, at that moment when before he put it on like, there was like that one fleeting thing of what if this sucks <laughs> is it tougher to fit the NBA guys or the NFL guys because of the builds on the football um, players or the length on the basketball guys NBA, the NFL guys mainly because the NBA regardless if they're 5'7 or 7'3 I think is what Boban is yep. they're basically still the same lean yeah right yeah. Uh, very few guys in the NBA are chunky. Right. Um, the NFL, I might have a guy, two guys that are lined up next to me, and they're both 300 pounds, both the same shoulder width, but basically their chest down are tremendously different. Yeah. And I mean night and day difference. Um, so those guys are a little bit different just because you can't really, there isn't anything uniform about them. Mm-hmm. And you also, guys that are 5'8, you have oh, guys that are 6'6, six, six, you I, got 300 pounds, oh, yeah, 75 pounds. I was surprised when I get to, and they're average, I think I was meeting around like 6'2, but what I was finding is 19 inch shoulders to 22 inch shoulders, which is 22 is gigantic. <laughs> but then the 22 inch shoulders would have like the smaller waist and yeah. the 19 and but then his thighs would be smaller than the 19, right? Yeah. And it's all these little things. And then on top of that, you would get guys that their familiarity with what they wanted was way less advanced than the NBA guys. I mean, these guys had never, ever have had a custom suit, yeah. ever. And never even thought about it because they kept having that old kind of um, thought of, I can't fit into custom clothes or I can't wear a suit because nothing fits me. Yeah. So we got a lot more of those guys. So it's funny as I got there and they're like, oh, I don't know. I was like, can I call my wife or... I call my mom and wives and moms are actually coming into some of the fittings because they want to see the fabrics and I, I had to sit there and not laugh like really hard but I was like did you really just call your mom to, to help with your suit that's funny it was nerve-wracking for me to get ready for this mm-hmm. because I knew you were going to be dressed so immaculately <laughs> and I'm such a casual dresser yeah. and I'm like traveling and getting on and off a plane and sweating and walking around and meeting clients out here today in the city the shirt that i wore i wore like a nice shirt yeah i got so sweaty today walking around i had to stop on a store on the way here and buy a new shirt and i, I couldn't find a store so i ended up with a plain white t-shirt i'm like this is this is what i it looks with. good man it looks oh, good oh man i read that a lot of the fittings you do you do at airports so um that first year that would make sense to me. Oh, it's because I, I was in and out. Um, and we didn't actually have this. The The showroom came later. I mean, so that year I worked at 11 teams, all NBA. But then I was picking all these stragglers because of the teams. Like They'd be like, oh, hey, I know this guy that plays for so-and-so. Do you, and he, I told him about you. Would you go meet him? And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, I got to – oh, no, I'm flying in that day for um, 
like the Nuggets. And then, but I'd be looking at my schedule, I'm like, oh, but I could meet him if I take this flight over here. And that happened like two or three times. I thought it would never happen again. No. Suddenly became, hey, man, you might meet my other buddy. I don't know, maybe like 60, 70 guys where I was popping into airport. We'd be at security. We'd be by a water fountain in the bathroom. Just anywhere. Anywhere. That's it, fun. Uh, I think, God, where's Iman Shumpert? We had met in a restaurant, and they literally closed down a section of it. And we, and, and this again was like kind of in my beginning stages, where I'm like, why is everyone so enamored by all these yeah, guys? Yeah. I was, it's even so funny that some of those guys are really gigantic names, and there I'm saying, hey man, do you mind if we? I mean, we're going to be staying right over those pissers. You okay with that? And, <laughs> and my buddy was like, you did not ask him to measure him in, in like a shithole shitter, and I'm like. It's the only place we could do it. I could put my bag down. You know, we looked at fabrics. <laughs> He's like, you were looking at fabrics in the bathroom. Do you have contracts with teams or agencies or not really? It's all kind of... Yeah, I did informal. I know a lot of people try to force the contracts. Even some of our teams and agencies are like, we'll do a contract. I'm like, I was like, listen, I, if I have to lock you in legally, then you don't need me. Because it mentioned online something like, oh, yeah, he has the Celtics now. And I'm like, he doesn't really – you're not really affiliated with the Celtics, right? You just have a lot of guys on this. A lot Celtics. of guys, yeah. Like yeah. I know one of my guys' clients, Terry Rogier. Yeah. You have Terry. Yeah. Yeah, we're working with Terry, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, I'm going to forget all that. Gordon, Gordon. obviously. Uh, Aaron Baines. Yeah. John Teese. Is that his name? Uh, Daniel Tice. Da- da- Daniel Tice, sorry. Tice, German. Oh, that's right. He is German. Yeah. I'm a big Celtics guy. Oh, you really? Big Celtics guy. <laughs> but so uh, any talk about the Celtics is, is <laughs> well. Encouraged. A lot of times it works. Like that was Gordon Hayward. Since even he transferred or he got traded, we were kind of talking. And I was like, we we're just like, let's do something special for the team. I'm like, okay. And then he introduced me to the team and um, just brought me in and um, just kind of sat with those guys and like, well, what do you guys want to do? And one thing turned to another. And sometimes it just happens that way. So who's actually making these suits? I read it's they're made in New York, right? Yeah. So I design everything here. We make them here. Um, some things like we'll have like some really intricate pieces. We'll ship out to other places. Um, I originally got my start by making things overseas. Um, did a lot of stuff through Italy. We get all of our fabrics from Italy. So it was just a lot of doing with that. But you know, I realized that once we would be making more than like three suits a week, one month we made something like 500 suits, which is a lot. The thing we did during the winter for the kids, I made uh, almost 370 coats, winter coats for a whole bunch of kids. Yeah, I saw that. Little things like that. Like, there's no way we could have done that overseas and then brought all that back here just by sheer logistics. And what we're looking to do is actually grow our production even more. Like, right now we're contracting out. I want full-blown, you're my employee, can't wait to margarita Tuesdays, right? And happy hours, like I want that type of thing. But yeah, create like a culture. Yeah, I've, I've been dying for it. Well, it's funny, when I first got my start, I, everyone's like, you're not gonna be able to produce clothes the way you do one-offs in the US. It's impossible, it's way too expensive, no one will work with you. Yeah. Um, and I remember everyone kept telling me that, and, and for many uh, uh, reasons, I should have not pursued it, because it was really painful in the beginning, right? Like um, a suit that you know, might cost me $900 to make, uh, was costing me almost 4000 to make because of all the extra steps that right. other contractors were putting in there that I needed to do. And it should have many reasons just broke us. But I just kept putting sand. I said, kept thinking, all right, that's an investment into what we're doing. I'm going to learn from it. And luckily, I can design. I'm a really shitty pattern maker. I think most suit guys are very, we, we know how to cut it in a certain way and we get very systematic on that. But no, so everything is here in the U.S. It's something we took a lot of pride in. It's something I've always wanted to keep rooted in here. And that's why when we're thinking about growing, think about moving all to Chicago. Um, we'll get a bigger space. Right. Um, the oh, labor man, laws are so much easier in Chicago. Really? 
man, like, I'm not going to say anything bad about New York, but the people they have in, like, the departments, their whole job is to make sure that, you know, bad people aren't breaking the rules. But I think they come down hard on people who aren't breaking them. Mm-hmm. They just don't know all of the freaking mm-hmm. rules. You touched on the philanthropy that you do. You donated the coats to the kids mm-hmm. at the school in the Bronx. Yep. And then also you're, you're fitting high school kids and kids getting ready for college yep. and suits. Yep. Getting them ready for job interviews. Yep. Where do you get the, the heart and the money <laughs> to do this? For me, having kind of the life that I had, I was, I mean, I was poor. I mean, especially when I was born. And my adopted parents, they made decent money, but they had so many kids. And A lot of adopted kids? Yeah. And it's not like we ever wanted for stuff. But I also had an opportunity to work, which I don't think a lot of kids do, especially in some of these urban areas. Like, I could go to a local farmer, and they pay me 15 bucks an hour. That's just a... That's a lot of money. Yes, it was a ton of money. I worked all the time, but I never made more than, like, $10 an uh, hour. My first teenager. job, yeah. My first job, I made... Two, uh, no, this would have been $1.98 an hour to tasseling corn. $1.98. I mean, you, you understand, like, when I was working those 60-hour weeks, I, I made nothing. Wow. But I saw that opportunity to make, make money in the way I needed to help support myself. I look at kids here who... I think they have a better chance being successful than I ever had, but they're missing out. Like, there's little things that are bothering me. Like, the Bronx School, a lot of the kids wouldn't have had coats. I was actually, first time I noticed this when I was in Memphis, and it was freezing cold, and I saw all these kids running out with no coats on. And I was just kind of like, walking by, I was like, where's your coat? And they're like, we don't have a coat. And one of them was like, joking, like, oh, I don't need a coat. And I was like, no, where's your, where's your really your coat? And he's like, he's like, and one of the kids was really sassy. He's like, we're not rich like you, we can't afford it. And it said something to me, you know. Like, coats are expensive. They're super expensive. And I know what these kids feel like when someone is trying to give them, and I don't know if handouts are a great word, but trying to help them. But today's kind of rule when you're trying to give is that you go to Marshalls or somewhere to get the cheapest thing to give to a kid. And they know that, mm-hmm. right? You're, to me, you're basically discounting who they are. So when I thought about this thing, I knew that I wanted to help some kids. I wanted to keep them warm. But I know as myself as an adult when the first time I got my own custom suit for myself, I know I knew that feeling. Yeah. And I know the feeling, how many times it's been repeated over by my athletes when they put it on. And they are they were no different than the look on my face. And what I actually saw with these kids, there was no different than the way these kids felt when they got their first coat. So I had this idea in my mind which is if you if you make these kids feel like you do or you want to be treated, they will see that and appreciate more than you think. And my hope is that they will start at the early age of it's not all about me being me, right? And that it'll hopefully be about wanting to in turn give. Because uh, that's uh, what I'll be returning this year to the Bronx. Uh, we helped almost 370 kids. Um, we're going we're gonna to be tasked to see if we can help 2,000. It's a huge step up. Do yeah. the same thing. That's, but that's those big... original 370, when I'm going to go to them, I'm going to tell them to donate their old coat to one of the drives so because they're going to get a new one. Yeah. And because um, I can tell you, for me, I never had the, the, the thought of giving. I was just like probably most people. It's mine. You couldn't give. What were you gonna give? Oh, but even I remember first time I made a box. I think many of us in our culture right now, we're we're a very selfish group of people. And I think being selfish is totally okay. There are things that like times I, I don't want to turn on my phone to talk to people. That's being selfish. But you know when we see a kid and we know that there's in the Bronx isn't that far, and yet you know I'll be in a restaurant with people and they're willing to spend a thousand dollars on a meal, but they can't give five hundred dollars to help get brand new coats for yeah. kids that's a problem i think it'll also give them something to strive towards as far as a goal of having a job where they can put that nice yeah. suit on yeah. I, I have a friend who is a he's like a 
businessman mogul now, but he was a big NBA star. But he always said as a kid, he always wanted to put a suit on and carry a briefcase. And he yeah. would see that because he's from New York, yeah. the Bronx and Manhattan. And yeah. he would see the guys on the subway or the guys in the street with the nice suits on. And yep. He said he like wanted that, but he didn't grow up with any money. Yep. And now he's at that level. And it's so and true. And you know, He all, used basketball to get to that. And see, what I love about that, that story, though, is most all kids, and we're the same way, we're impressionable. right? And so we'll see something that we'll kind of associate to success or happiness. And you're absolutely right. There, most of these kids that they would, they'll feel more comfortable and less insecure. And Cole sometimes does come off like armor. Like I know that, like especially the teenagers, when they got to try on their custom suits, I made them. Just their demeanor was so different. And even these kids, like they went from not having a coat to having something that had their name in it. Like that's a great pride and joy. Yeah. And I do. My hope is that they're they're more confident in their lives. Right? They they appreciate more that. You know, their value isn't the sum of some discounted clothing that they got or the sum of where they are right now. Uh, and I know that's a little bit too uh, mature for that thinking for them now, but it's it's setting that seed. Yeah. Right? Because I caught, I caught my seed late in life. Like, I was, I, was, I was such a stubborn, bullheaded, angry, introverted person. And I that's why I keep looking at these kids and the way that they they are and their maturity and, like, just but their, their desire to be happy. I was never that happy in my life and to see all these kids and I walked in there I was just like holy crap they need to be exposed to certain things oh, yes. and there's nobody walking around those neighborhoods in nice suits it's just nobody a, and know. yet if they saw them they would they would start to associate yeah. right and we're all built that way and it's, you associate what you see as success yes. where you come from yes and that's not what success is yes. in that neighborhood I mean it's one of those things like they keep wondering how to help ki- get these kids out of the same area and it's it's just simple so you're also leading a group of NBA and NFL players uh, to Shanghai? Yeah, so we've got a rare opportunity to uh, meet some very influential people in China. We're still working out the, the basics of the trip. It's all about schedules right now. Yeah, what would it be, summertime? Uh, yeah, so we originally stayed it for after the ESPY Awards. I just got an email today and they we're looking at pushing it back or the guys might actually come here. Okay. Which makes the trip a little better. Yeah. But, you know, I'd reach well, out. Well, I don't know about better, maybe oh, easier. Easier, easier. But, you know, we're doing it also That's kind a cool of a trip. Oh, it would be a t- I mean, imagine me on the airplane with 12 of my athlete buddies. Yeah. And big names. Who do you got attached to it? Can oh, you- God. It would be, I mean, so we'd ask guys like Joel Embiid, a couple of the Rockets, uh, like Eric Gordon, Trevor Riza. Yeah. Do you style uh, PJ Tucker? No. Do you know, do you know I, who he I, is? I know he is, yeah. He's, he's a shop dresser. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, it's like some of my uh, interns would be like, uh, man, you should see what this guy wore. And I look, I'm like, I was like, respect on that one. Yeah. yeah, he does pretty good. Yeah, some of them are really on it, but that's those are the ones I really like to see. And a lot of those guys don't have stylists. I'd almost venture to say some of the ones that have stylists don't dress as well. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to name names. I know who you're going to say. <laughs> We're going to get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that, that leads us to the keeping it a hundo segment of the show. You've never, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the I listen to some of them, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a favorite sports team now, now that you're involved in sports? Mm, no, I kind of still don't. No? I you just have favorite guys and guys yeah, you're kind of friends guys, with or yeah. whatever. Okay. Three favorite designers. Oh, uh, I mean, Tom Ford's one of my favorite designers. Um... Ted Baker on the accessory line. Their shoe designs are the best. I just wish they would use good materials. That might be it. Like those are the only two people that have ever hit my life where I'm like, okay. oh, I like their shit. Who are the top five rappers of all time that are alive to you? Oh, uh, 
Man, mine been old school, so yeah. obviously Tupac's in there. Yeah. Um, I loved old school Ice Cube. Yeah. Right. I love it. Um, I, I I remember the first time I heard Dr. Dre, thought he was pretty cool. I know everyone thinks I should throw in Biggie, but I never really got his music. Maybe the, there was a there was that bifurcation that wasn't there between Biggie and Tupac. You read yeah. one or the other. You kind of had to choose one, and especially if you were from New York, yeah. that's all they were playing on the radio. Yeah. Um, I and this can sound really really stupid, but. I remember the first time I did hear uh, uh, Easy E. I don't. I remember just laughing because like, his voice sounds really weird. Yeah. But it sound it it was really catchy. Very very distinct. Yeah, voice. and I it's, there's nothing in his life that I think lines up with mine. But I was just like, damn, I just like listen to his stuff. But it was funny is at the same time I'd be listening to Dwight Yoakam, so <laughs> yeah. I'd have a Dwight Yoakam tape and then I'd be listening. To, uh, uh, He's a good actor now. Oh, is, He's is in a oh bunch yes, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He always plays a weird villain. I think those would be the ones most memorable to me. I mean, obviously. You got four there. You got Ice Cube is oh, super I, underrated. Uh, I love Twista. Wow. I love that. So guy. one of my former guests, one mm. of my best friends, he does pretty much all of Twista's videos. Dude, He's a director. That guy. I remember first time I heard him, and you know, in my music inclination would have been more country, and I think that would have been like rock music. Yeah. And, and I think, from Iowa. Yeah. And oh, I loved classical. Like I was a huge junkie for piano and violin. And so only time I would really hear rap music is through when I went when we passed on the radio. All the other Dalton brothers I had, they freaking loved it. Really? And But then I'd always pick up a little song. Actually, my first tape I ever had was uh, Ice Cubes. It was a good day. Wow. Um, but yeah, I remember first time I heard Twister. I was just like, you have a great list for somebody who wasn't, you know, a big hip hop. Oh, fan. I think, but I think it was just because those were all the refined ones that I had and I just list. stuck with them. <laughs> What's your favorite podcast? Do you listen to any podcasts? Uh, I'm a huge NPR fan. Yeah. Um, you listen to Fresh Air? Yeah, I love Fresh Air. Terry I love Terry. Yes. Great. Do you want? All right. So Too I have gross. it on my bucket list to get in, get interviewed by her. Wow, that's a good. That's a great. To me, like that's my. I remember when I was when I was younger, I told myself I'd be successful if uh, I moved into a big city where my apartment faced a brick wall. Yeah. Because I remember when I was a kid, all the movies. Yeah. The kids grew up and they were making when they faced into a big city yeah. and they had no room, right? And if Tariq Rose interviewed me, that was that was it. That's cool. Yeah. The only person I know that even knows Terry Gross is my friend, who's a he's like a surgeon. Mm-hmm. He went to Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Yeah. None of my other oh. friends really. I, I, don't I think just they know who she is. I love her thought process. Like even though she's giving me her opinion, I feel like it's not opinionated. I, there's something very soothing about her voice. She's soothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I like listening to her on like. A Sunday morning oh, yeah. or something when I'm just relaxing. Anytime I rent a car, I turn on NPR or I'll turn on podcast and I like play through radio. Um, one that isn't air anymore was Car Talk. Yep. I loved that show. Yep. Oh my God. Like the best. What's your favorite thing to watch on TV? Or Well, we already... How I Met Your Mother? So I walked into <laughs> his office here in, uh, in the garment district and he has How I Met Your Mother playing on the TV and he, he told me. Yeah, so Netflix, uh, I was watching it so much that I went to go turn it on one time and Netflix said it was unavailable to me. He watched it too much, so Netflix shut off his... <laughs> shut off my streaming. ...access to yes. How, How I, I Met, Met Your, Your Mother. mother. But it's, it's I've my, never heard that It's one. my favorite show of all time. <laughs> What's your favorite city to visit? Oh, to visit. Technically, I'm still a visitor to New York. Yeah. It's funny. Everyone thinks I'm a local. I think it's just because I've gotten really acclimated. Yeah. But what I love about New York is a lot of times I get in around 2, 3 in the morning. 
I'll drop off my bags at a hotel and I'll just go out there and walk and either grab coffee, or something like a piece of pizza. You just love that the city's still awake. It's at always that awake. Time. And I'll have, cities aren't. I'll have friends and I'll be like, hey man, I just got in. They're like, dude, let's go grab a drink. And we'll, we'll, we'll find a bar that we can drink till four in the morning, five yeah. in the morning at. I love it for that. I, I don't like how dirty it is. Yeah. I have not gotten used to that. At the all. air quality, the even the, the pollution, everything. Oh, I mean, and it's funny. I was just having this conversation with someone. They're like, "Why can't they get rid of all the trash?" I'm like, "Because the rats have grown so big that if they actually cleaned up the city, those rats would start going indoors to find the trash." Favorite city to eat in? All right, so my favorite food is lobster. So lobster, lobster, yeah. really? Yeah, but I yeah, but I didn't realize that all the places in Boston serve live lobster, or like a whole lobster. Yeah. You can get that everywhere. I, yeah, and I mean, it's my favorite thing. I actually just learned a rule, and I hope it's true. You shouldn't get a lobster over two pounds. Yeah, the, the meats, but those are old. Yeah, oh, see, I didn't think about that. They're older. Uh, so, and there's a place outside of, I think it's called like American Lobster, Co- American Seafood Company outside of Boston. It's like 40 minutes out. They have a 15 pound lobster and wanted to go try it. I was like, don't do it. Yeah, it's okay. not the quality stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you where to get it. Yeah, but lobster. no, Boston is, uh, Boston's my favorite because of that. Cool. What about eating in Chicago? Do you have a favorite place or one or two places maybe? Uh, I mean, I love Portillo's. Yeah. I freaking love that place. My girlfriend loves it. Dude, I am I will happily gain a thousand pounds. Italian beef or a hot dog? I, I, will, I love Italian beef, but I love hot dogs. So, I, uh, where I was raised, we had a thing called Weimer's hot dogs. Yeah. They had the red casing. Um, oh, that snap. Yeah, that snap. Yeah. And if it's not that, I love deep dish pizza. I don't. Uh, I love it. Oh. It's, <laughs> well, so I've gotten used to New York pizza. I think it's great. I love how simple it is, the cheesy gooiness. I love it. Is that the the green? Uh, is that the same? Same, yeah, same. That's and that one's for Avery Williamson, the New York Jets. It's his. Uh, he just got traded. I think he's just signed like a twenty-two million dollar deal. Um, he got traded to the Jets. To the Jets. Okay. Uh, that is his opening day outfit for the season. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking way in advance, and a lot of these guys are they're trying to build for that. That red one is Penny Hardaway's. Oh yeah. Oh, he's the new coach. Yeah, of the and, Memphis, uh, Memphis Tigers. Yeah, yeah. that bur- the burgundy to the bird's eye is Aaron Colvin's. Just signed a big deal, Texans. Yep, uh, that's actually EJ's right there. That coat right there. This. Yeah, so he likes all kind of stuff. We did we from scratch. Like I had five of those. I had Eric Berry, Jermon Bushrod, uh, EJ in here, and we designed five pieces up from scratch. Together. Aren't you doing something with them with sacks? Yeah, yeah. They're looking at all these pieces. That's cool. Yeah, right now we're playing a little hard to get. Uh, dealing with department stores is really difficult. Saks has an average group of 50 to 70. They want 20-year-olds, but they don't know how to attract them, right? And I want to work with them, I really do, because they have a brand name. They have, they have locations that we'd love to just have our clothes debuted in, but we need to come from a power of strength or a position of strength. Yep. And right now, we're still the new guys, no matter what our name is. So I'm even thinking about holding out until next year because we'll get a better deal. So what would you get your stuff into? Like, let's just say if you did get your stuff into yep. a sax or something, it would be under, it would say Adrian Black. Yep, it'd be all that. Adrian Black. And then what, uh, Eric and EJ and those guys, they would be like the face of it kind of. Yeah, it'd be like, and it'd be like the Adrian Black, uh, maybe EJ Manuel collection, okay. which would be kind of cool. Yeah, all right, here's the tough questions. Okay. Best dressed in the NBA. Oh. <laughs> I think one of the best dressed for, like, just, I like the way his style is, actually, more than the other guys who are super stylish. I like James Harden's style. Wow, which brings me to, come here. So I have here the pictures from the awards uh-huh. the other yeah. night. This was like, they put a list of like the best and most completely over yeah. the top looks. This is Esquire magazine. Yeah. So 
tell me what what jumps out to you. So you, so are you, are you into this? Uh, I I liked it. They didn't. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was well executed. But I liked the idea of it. Um, I, I I just don't like for me. It looks I, like a cow. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't well executed. I would have done. Well, one. I mean, it's a robe. If you really look at it. Yep. It's a robe. I would have really fleshed this out to be um, a very silhouette type of trench coat. I would have reversed the pattern of his pants, so I actually would have done that. I, I thought that he had on a, like a solid pant. He should yeah. have a solid pant on. Uh, well, actually, what, oh, are there a solid pants? Or reverse, pant, you said? Or reverse. Like, I literally done something funky, like turn the, the fabric inside out. Okay. It would have given a different effect to it. But typically, he, he walks in with coolers. Like, if you compare him, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook, out of when all three of those guys go super weird... Oh, I go hard. I go hard in all the time. Yeah. And it made it because to me, like, I feel like it's something he really is wearing because he wants to wear it. Yeah. And not because it's a fashion statement. Oh, yeah. Westbrook looks like, even LeBron, they look like that somebody just, like a designer slapped it on yep. him, told him to put it on. I ain't gonna lie, when LeBron showed up in the suit shorts, yeah. and I hate that look. I really hate that look. And and this is the part I hate about fashion. It's some asshole saying, this is what you need to have to be cool. And that's not true. Yeah. And they get a superstar to say it, to wear it because they want to stand out. You know what? I got Gordon Hayward to look the freshest guy at the All-Star game last year. And he was wearing very basic blue and gray and white and pink look. And that's it. Right? You can't upstand class. You just can't. Uh, did you see Trey Young pull it off at the, the at draft the, the draft, other night? I saw his, yeah, the short one. It looked pretty good because it was tailored properly. Yeah. He's, he's like my size yeah. or smaller. So, well, he's also younger. Yeah. Uh, to when me, you see LeBron and those guys doing it. Like, they look silly. First of all, they're they're really big. Yep. They're older guys, yep. and they weren't really tailored that well. No. Well, and they're in uh, the Thomas Brown is where they got their clothes from. Oh, that's where LeBron keeps yeah, getting all those suits yeah, for the guys. Yeah, from? I, I don't like those clothes. Okay. Um, nothing against them. You want know, super successful designer? Oh, there he is. There you go. Yeah. 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 His first time really wearing a tie. He, looked, he pulled it off good. Yeah. I was actually really happy. And that's a bright color. And what I like about Joel is like, his Sports Illustrated tuxedo I made for him. I mean, we're talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking opposite platform, uh, spectrum. That material is something we, we'd make a $20,000 dress out of. Really? Yeah. So he, true one of one, because I'd say out of all the guys I've dressed, I've never had any of them ever have anyone question, probably question and say that should not have gone. So one of the things... A couple of my friends and I have discussed in the past is comparing Russell Westbrook's clothes to Michael Jordan's clothes, <laughs> and we say if you had to dress like one of them the rest of your life, which one would you pick? Damn it, um, that's a tough one. That so that's tough. my question. Wait, do I get to be as cool as Michael Jordan? You get to be you, <laughs> and you got to wear those clothes—the wide leg jeans, yeah, maybe uh, a silver hoop in one yeah, ear. Damn it. He yep. still wears the wide yep, shoe. Yep, yep, yep. Well, all right. So here's the thing. Uh, I mean, I was I was raised in the era, so my first suit was like that. I'll go with Michael Jordan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just can't. I think I picked him just because it's baggy and comfortable. You'll be comfortable at well, least. you know when when I saw Russell show up and basically the uh, that vinyl parka looking thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, huh. Yeah. And then when he came in with the whole. It, yeah, you, know, you needed a bra for that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I said, to me, that was, I feel like that's not something he would normally pick to wear. And maybe he did. Maybe he woke up and said, screw the world, this is what I'm going to do. At least Michael Jordan's clothes was true to his personality. It's just, yeah. you know, he's like, I'm a baller, I can do whatever I want. And I, then I'd probably feel comfortable that way. Yeah. Right? Good point. Anybody in the NFL jump out at you the way they dress? Obviously Cam Newton. Yeah. You know, I got a chance to work with him when we were at the Panthers. Um, he bought one. 
I, I like his style when he's not trying to dress like a 1920s white horse person, <laughs> right? Because when he does that, I mean, he wears the hats. The hats. Yes, and the, the and I love any any dude that wants to wear a bow tie. Yeah. But he, I think his design, his stylist is out of Florida, which makes a lot of sense. But I'm always just kind of like, man, just. That get. reminds me of when we talk about the way guys dress now in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Look at the way they were dressing like 10, 15 years ago. They look like they were going to like a players' ball and yeah. you know dress like uh, Fillmore Slim yeah. or the what's his name Don Magic Wong yeah. going to yeah they had the zoot suits and yeah the the big everything was big and gaiters yes oh god the gaiters yeah was it was huge. always gaiters now and yes. later gaiters the green or the yes. orange yes so things have changed a lot uh, who's another football guy I really look up to uh, what's funny is a lot of them are very interesting in their own style like. I worked with Alec Ogletree when he was with uh, the, the Rams. I saw some of the stuff you oh. had him in on Instagram. As funny as that dude had style of his own already. Really? And then when he put the, some of the stuff on, I was like, damn. Is he the one that's with the Giants now? Yeah, he got traded. Okay, so you probably see more of him. Oh, now. yeah. Well, and we already talked. We'll start working with the Giants because of him. Oh, great. Who's the most challenging person you ever had to fit or style? I mean, <laughs> he's also my favorite. We struggled with Gordon Hayward a little bit. Yeah. Maybe because his wife has a really good eye for clothes. She has what she wants, and he has what he wants, and not they didn't always line up yeah. together. Yeah. And so sometimes we just knock out the park, and sometimes it'd be like, nope. <laughs> like things I'd be like, listen, that will look good on you, but she'd be like, not so much, right? And you know, you got to give her credit for it. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I think I made four different pairs of joggers, and I just couldn't nail them. And I was like, you know, what? I'm done making you joggers. I was like, I'll just make you regular jeans. Those are tough. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, there was a coach for the 49ers. Super nice guy, but he wanted a brand new fitted suit. And I'm talking, he's like, he pointed to one of the guys that's like, I want that suit. So I made it, fitted the way it was looked. He's like, this is way too tight. I'm not comfortable with it. I had to remake his suit nine times. Oh, man. Thought what he wanted, but it wasn't what he really wanted. By the time that we finally got it right, it was literally like he was back in the old days. Like he brought in one of his original suits. Was he an older guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. And that was, and I realized I might have an age limit for me. Uh, because I, I kind of have the signal with the guys. I straight up tell them, the older coaches, the coaches and anyone. I was like, I'm going to do it my way. You'll look good. You have a lot of input. But I don't do baggy. He was the only guy ever that I've ever acquiesced and said, okay, I'll do it exactly your way. Just because he's such a nice dude. Better designer, Kanye or Diddy? Oh, uh, Kanye is a better designer. Diddy's definitely a better business person. I think. I mean, at least from what I see now. Yeah. Kanye actually has some really cool stuff comes out. I don't like his Yeezy shoes. Not quite understanding what's happening there. I like some. I don't yeah. like some. And I think it's he's doing too much. Yeah. Uh, but some of his outerwear is just amazing. Some of the stuff is way over the top. Right. Right. Like he was really great at, at understanding uh, knitwear and cottons and heavier sweaters and doing it in a way that was actually really, really cool. Like I do very basic ones. Uh, but I've looked at some of the stuff and said, yeah, that's really cool. But he's super talented. Uh, I don't know if he's crazy. He's he's a brilliant idiot. Oh, it's exact. I mean, it's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. But that some of the talent is just super lost on me. But some of that stuff, like I said, there is, he's got timeless pieces. His music's the same way. Like I, he'll he'll knock it out the park yeah. and then he'll put something out where it's like, what it's is like, this? What is that? Yeah. But I would have to say, if it, he's probably influenced more people in this generation than a lot of new designers that have had the same path as he has. Yeah. And that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So the GQ cover, I think it was a year or two ago, it had ASAP Rocky on the front. Okay. Yeah. And it said, the flyest human on the planet, or something like that. Yeah. 
Who do you got? Who's and Drake was the best dressed in GQ uh, never, 2017. I, no, I don't know. Who why. Do, you, do you know how ASAP dresses? Yeah. Yeah. You got ASAP versus Drake. Who you who you taking? I take I'll take ASAP over Drake. I like ASAP style. Yeah. yeah. I to be honest. I don't I, know how Drake got Drake doesn't dress dressed. well at yeah. all. Even when he wears his suits and I'll see his posting like I'm the freshest guy out. I'm like, but your suit doesn't fit you. And for as much money as you have, it should fit better than my athletes. Yeah. Right? And he's a pretty regular size guy. He's an now. average size guy. Yeah. And he should be able to walk in any store. Like to me, if if GQ and this is the part that just pisses me off, for them to make that claim is that just to get people to it's read publicity. the magazine? Well, and it's, it? it's a publicity thing with the PR company. None yeah. of that stuff's real. You, like when they do the sexiest man alive, none of that's. I mean, the people they've like nominated. I'm like, right. I was like, nothing gets dudes, but that dude is not the sexiest man alive. Right. Right. If they're gonna talk about the best dress, then they need to have the actual design. Like Tom Ford's like the best dressed person on earth. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I dress well. I guarantee if I stand next to uh, Tom Ford, I'd be like, oh damn, son. Right. So. David Beckham still outdresses point. everybody. That's a good point. Right? They intentionally ignored literally the best dressed people on earth. He was on the list. I saw Beckham yeah. made the list. He should have. He he should have been way higher than Drake. Yeah. Uh, but again, like that's why I know the lists are all bullshit. So you kind of already answered this question. Three icons of fashion mm-hmm. that influenced you. What do you got? Tom Ford, Ted yeah. Baker. Tom Ford, Ted Baker. Um, but I'm an old school kind of soul. Like a lot of my my inspiration comes from the 20s. Like, so I would watch a lot of old movies. Like, I love Big Lapels because the first time I saw Casablanca. Yeah. You know, when Rick is there and he had this beautiful white coat and it just looked manly as a cigarette. And I'm like, that's the way people I feel like EJ be. likes those. Oh, that's... He likes a lot of that I stuff. love popping my collar. Yeah. And I love it when my athletes do it. And, like, every time I put my jackets on, I pop their collar for them. Um, even women, I build big collars in their stuff. So I, I have those two designers, but then I have any old old you know movie that was in the 20s to the 40s um and they would depict that life in that early 20th century yeah. the uh the old gangster film oh, little, little caesar yes little... yeah it's funny it was i was watching this movie and it had eddie murphy in it and i gotta remember what the movie was but he's a gangster oh uh uh Harlem nights Harlem nights yes Harlem nights. but there was a couple of suits he was in there and i was like and i remember when i was a kid and i saw this when i was younger and i was like man i want to dress like that because yeah. it was just so crisp and I saw and I saw pinstripes like that for the first time, and I love pinstripes. That was real cool. Oh yeah. And I always, when I saw stuff like that, it just makes you wish you were alive during that time period. It would have been best. Speaking of those guys, who you got in a steel cage match? Tom Ford versus Ted Bay. I think Tom Ford would kick his ass. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just you don't mess with a guy that he survived Gucci. I mean, he was a creative director for Gucci for a long time. Really? Yeah. He, he built Gucci. Wow. I mean, you gotta give Gucci. He built it back in the day, or oh, he yeah. built like he was the... one. Yeah. Uh, so no, he was nineties. Okay. Nineties and two thousand. Okay. Right. So that era is when it really started to have this nice big upswing. Yeah. Tom Ford was, at least in my opinion, he was the reason why. You can't survive a company like that. And come out with your own brand yeah. and have it kick ass the way it does yeah. without being some of a badass. All right, last question for you, Andrew. What's your death row meal? What do you <laughs> eat? It would probably be the same way I eat right now. I'd have to have a triple cheeseburger from Sta- uh, a Shake Shack. Yeah. I need I need a pizza. And you can ask a couple of my employees. Where are you getting your pizza? Say we're in New York. Where are you getting your oh. pizza? Oh, man, there's a place called And Pizza. And? And Pizza. It's a, it's an ampersand. Oh, okay. Oh, man, that pizza's good as fuck. Really? Yeah. Like New York style? It's these longer ones. Okay. Yeah, but I just like it because the, the toppings are amazing. And you can order things like, like literally like extra things of bacon. 
and they just throw all that shit on. <laughs> and it'd be uh, a scoop of ice cream. Yeah. Um, it'd be half of, of a ribeye. What what ice cream? Oh God, I'm a vanilla guy. Okay. Yeah, I mean I love all that stuff. Yeah. And I'd probably want, and I love salad. So it, the healthy side is I would have just mixed greens, no dressing. Yeah. Like I don't like dressing on my salads. Um, I like olive oil. I love olive oil in my bread and my potato chips. Everyone laughs at me for putting olive oil in my potato chips. You pour it, like oh, you yeah. drizzle it I on there. I love that shit. And I love it when the olive oil has got a little bit like the red pepper stuff in there. Yeah, that's good too. I like that kick. You might be it. Diet Coke, uh, Scotch on the Rocks. Yeah, I, I wanted to know your drink. McAllen? Uh, I, I love McAllen. I love Johnny Walker. Yeah. Johnny's, black. Uh, I'm a big black and blue. Yeah. Um, black on the Rocks, blue neat. Yeah. And like black is my, it's my go-to. Because most bars have black. Yeah, exactly. You have to have like one that's not the highest oh, yeah. of the high because oh, yeah. a lot of places don't carry that stuff but yeah um, and then I love bourbon rocks I, and I don't that's the only thing I drink is something rocks I remember I went through a boxed wine phase really dude and I went through a phase when you show up to house parties and everyone's bringing a 12 pack of beer I'm bringing a 6 pack of uh, Zinfandel <laughs> <laughs> you always stood out the clothing oh, yeah. the alcohol oh, yeah I mean that was the girliest drink and everything <laughs> but, uh, sounds like a hangover oh dude it, it was first of all you ever chugged wine no, I don't think so. The dumbest thing. Well, you- yeah, probably like Saint Ides Special Brew uh, <laughs> and like Boone's Farm, Boone's. like stuff Boone's. like that. I definitely. I remember Boone's. Those. So speaking of good food, I'm about to go over to uh, Mamafuku Nish- Nishi. Yeah. Another Korean guy. Yeah. I love David Chang's yeah. food. So I'm yeah. about to eat there. Are you sure you're not hungry? I wish I was. <laughs> My morning meeting, they brought in a breakfast buffet. And so I'm sitting there, and I literally eat my weight in bacon. Really? I, I love bacon. Yeah, I like bacon. Yeah. So I had uh, three eggs and a plate of bacon, and I think I felt bad because I, I didn't realize all the bacon was for everyone in the room. Well, that's about it. Um, if I need a suit, I know who to come yeah. to. Yeah. I don't wear them on, on the regular. I mostly wear them for weddings and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Or maybe my wedding. Oh. One of these days. You better let me do it. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. That was my conversation with Andrew Jong of Adrian Black. He's the CEO and stylist, and he's the man when it comes to suits. Check out his stuff on adrianblack.com, and you can find him on Instagram at adrianblack. Next week, I'll be in Portugal. I'm not sure if I'm going to put out a show or record a show over there. I'm not sure I want to bring my equipment over there. It's going to be a game-time decision. But I do have some good stuff coming up. I'll be in Atlanta this weekend uh, doing a couple pods out there with um, some interesting people. I got um, a bounty hunter who's been on Netflix, uh, Netflix documentary Dope, and uh, the founder and creator of uh, A3C, a hip-hop festival in Atlanta. So should be pretty good. Just uh, might not have anything for you next week. Might have to be uh, wait two weeks for the next episode. And please, if you haven't rated and reviewed my podcast, please go to iTunes or Apple Music and scroll down underneath my episodes and click on the five stars if you enjoy the show and leave a comment. It doesn't have to be extensive, just something. I appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Keeping It a Hundo. I'm Matty Hundo. I'm out of here. Oh, you didn't think we can do it again. Twister. Kanye West. From Pope Pippin to Poppin' Tags. From Champions to Slow Jack. Oh, baby. We can even make you an overnight celebrity. Know what I'm saying? Wow.
slice like Kobe, right? We sort of like Kobe, right? No way we mow them, right? We can make you a celebrity overnight. Girl, I see you in the level bottom jeans. Chinchilla on your back, I want to know your name. Girl, I'm just like to blow your brains. Put you in the chameleon, no foe range. Still sexy with you, smoke that flame. Jerking like a chicken when you throw that thing. She got me hotter than the oven, the way that she talk. You switching the freaky, so I'm loving the way that she walk. You looking good, girl, you ought to be in pictures. Listen to me, I see your career going sky high. Taking you home to the crib in the shot. And every time I see your thighs, I cry when I drive by. Watching you should be a real. Got the fellas on some Johnny Gill, steady screaming, my, 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 my. Walking the carpet with the diamonds, they're picking the dog. Kicking it on the couch at 106 and park. I can see your beauty on the big screen. I can see me freaking you with whipped cream. I can see you on stage at the awards with a dress better than Jennifer's and doing big things. Kick it with me, I can mow your life. You look a good girl, show you right. Dre told me you the prototype. I can make you a celebrity, yo, why not? Play something.